Well, we are so uh, grateful and excited that you chose to be here with us today as we kind of moved back into our auditorium. And I just want to say good morning on behalf of myself, my wife, and the rest of the team here. Uh, we are so honored that you chose to be here. Church, can you do me a favor? Can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? Come on, come on. And for some of you, you're tuning in online with us today. We are excited that you're here as well. Believe that God has some incredible, incredible things in store for us. We have made the move back into the auditorium. And uh, next week, we've got some really big things coming up. We've got Easter next Sunday. And so uh, I just want to encourage you. Easter is a great time uh, for you and I to invite people to join us at church, and you may be thinking, well, why in the world do we always talk about bringing people to Easter? And there's a couple of reasons. It's not because we just want big numbers, but here's what we do know. Every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And so every number that shows up at Easter represents a soul that Jesus died for and desires to have a relationship with. But the other reality is, is that people are way more likely to say yes to a church invite if you just ask right? You'll miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Come on, Michael Scott. And so, um, but you and I, if we'll take a second and we'll invite some people to Easter, we believe that it uh, brings a great result from that. And then the third reason that we do it is because it only takes one encounter with Jesus to change somebody's life forever. And so every yes you get creates a moment for somebody to come in and experience Jesus. And that experiencing Jesus can change us. So we want to help you do that. And so my entire message today is to geared and designed around getting you and I fired up to share Jesus with the people we love. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to talk to you about what it looks like to be a fisher of men. Jesus uses this phrase, and it all comes from the story of a guy named Peter. And Peter is a professional fisherman. It's what he does for a living. Every day he goes out, he catches fish, he comes back, they take it to the market, he makes a little bit of money, and he goes home. But there's one night in particular where Peter's been fishing all night. And the problem is, he didn't catch nothing. If you've ever been fishing and you've caught nothing, you know it's not a good day. So there's, I, I met somebody the other week and they were like, I just love fishing, it doesn't even matter if I catch anything. Nope, not me, right? <laughs> I am not wired like that. If I don't catch nothing, I'm mad. Peter rolls back onto the shore, <laughs> and there is Peter's there. They're packing things up. Scripture says that they're washing out their nets, and as they're cleaning out their nets, Jesus walks by, and he begins to have a conversation with Peter, and he says, hey, Peter, let's go out into deeper waters. If you've been at, at, out all night, you've caught nothing. It's kind of frustrating. Now Jesus wants to go back out onto the boat, but Peter says, okay. So they go out into deeper waters, and then Jesus looks at Peter and he says, hey, throw your net to the other side of the boat. Now, if I'm Peter, here's what I'm thinking. Bro, I do this for a living. <laughs> you think I was out here all night and I didn't try the other side? Like, I promise. I threw the net to the other side more than once. I kept flipping back, back. And... But he doesn't say that. He looks at Jesus and he says, because you say so, I will. There's times in our lives where God asks us to do things that don't make sense. Right. But if we'll walk in obedience to do the things he tells us to do, even when it doesn't make sense, it brings results that we never thought were possible. 
So Peter takes the net after he's been fishing all night and caught nothing because Jesus tells him to do it, throws it to the other side of the boat, and immediately his net is filled with so much fish that they can't even contain the amount of fish in one boat. They have to get a second boat. And after they do this, Peter realizes that, man, Jesus really is who he says he is. And the way Mark records this story goes like this. Mark chapter 1, verse 16, it says, And as he, this is Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, which is Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, if you grew up in church or around the the south, you probably had a vacation Bible school that was titled Fishers of Men, or you heard a pastor tell you that you were called to be a fisher of men, and you went, sounds great, don't know what that means, but sounds great, you know? Because sometimes in church we throw out these statements or we throw out these phrases that are completely biblical, but if we're honest, we kind of step back and go, a fisher of men, what does that even mean? What does it mean for you and I to, we're, we're fishing for people? How does that work? Every time I put a hook in somebody before, that was frowned upon. So like, <laughs> so what does it look like to be a fisher of men? This is not a a gender-specific thing. What Jesus is doing is Jesus is inviting Peter onto a journey to go out and catch that which is still lost. He's inviting Peter into this journey to look out into the world around him. And when Jesus is talking about being a fisher of men, he's saying, hey, in this vast sea in the world, there's a lot of people who don't know me, who are still lost, who are swimming around hopeless. And Peter, I'm inviting you to be a part of the catching process. I'm inviting you to be one of the people who goes with me on a journey to help find that which is lost. It's the invitation not just for Peter, but it's a great invitation for you and me as well. And that's what I want to talk about today. Talk about what it looks like to be a fisher of men. I was thinking about fishing, and I grew up um, around this area, and uh, Papa always used to take us fishing at Baden Lake. Come on, how many know granddads teach fishing better than anybody? And so we would go out, we'd wake up in the morning, and we would go by food line, and we would pick up a pack of hot dogs. These hot dogs were not for eating, they were for fishing. You've got to be very clear on that. There are eating hot dogs, but then there are fishing hot dogs. So we'd go and we'd pick up some hot dogs, and we'd go and we'd sit out there and, and we would fish. you just put the hot dog on, it was a lot less gross than a worm, right? Come on, some of y'all know, you don't do the worms. Right? That's just, it's gross. Just put the hot dog on, you catch some fish. But as I got older, um, I noticed that his, his tackle box got a little more advanced. And all of a sudden, there were worms of different lengths and sizes and colors, and there were weights in there and all of these things. Here's the first thing I've got for you. Uh, fishermen learn, to learn the right baits to use. So now, if you know somebody who is a fisherman, they love to fish, you know they've got a tackle box that is full of stuff. Half of the things that are in there, they'll never use, and they don't know how to use. But here's what we do know. We know that in order to catch the right fish, we got to use the right bait. And sometimes I think we overcomplicate telling people about Jesus. 
When we look at being fishers of men, we want to learn to share Jesus with other people, and we've made it so complicated that it's got to be this big, lawn-out, drawn-out process to where you've got to make sure you understand where they stand on every single issue, and we don't want to uh, talk too much about one thing and not another because we might offend somebody. You're going to offend somebody. Sneezing in public is now offensive, right? Like I'm... It's never been easier to offend people. People are going to get offended. You're probably not going to say the right things all the time. But what a good fisherman learns is he learns the right kind of bait to use. And in this invitation where we're looking at a lost and broken world, there's a few things that I think we need to do. I think the first thing we need to do is identify the fish we're going after. Now, for some of us, as we think about being fisher of men, that lost person that's in your life, it might be your spouse. Maybe they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's one of your kids who kind of grew up in the faith, but now for some reason has walked away. Maybe it's not a, a spouse or a kid. Maybe it's this coworker that they just get on your nerves all the time. But you know they need Jesus. And so do you, or you're going to kill them, right? Like, Who's your fish? Who's that person that when we talk about uh, needing, somebody needing Jesus, that immediately comes to your mind? Here, here's what I'm going to tell you. The enemy's not going to prompt you with a person that needs Jesus. It's the spirit inside of us that goes, hey, there's somebody in your life that needs Jesus, and God wants to use you to be a part of drawing them in. Identify your fish. And then the second thing that I do is I just kind of pray for God to open up opportunities. Open up doors. If God opens a door, I'll walk through it. And so in conversations, there's a few things that I, I look for. Um, they're not statements. The first one is, hey, things are not going well. Come on, how many of you know there's times in your life and in my life where things are just not going well? And when other people begin to share those stories with you, maybe it's the loss of a loved one or struggles in their marriage, when things are not going well for them, what an incredible opportunity for you to be a fisher of men and to step into that situation and begin to share the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Another one is, I, didn't, I, I did not see that coming. Come on, sometimes uh, life is like a bus and it hits hard. <laughs> And when it happens, when it catches us off guard, oftentimes we don't know what to do. But one of the things that I love about uh, my relationship with God and things that I've seen over the years is every hardship I've ever gone through, I ended up making it through. So what if the best thing you could do for those people who are lost is not just give them a bunch of how-to guides, but to let them know that there is hope and it won't kill them. The best days in Jesus are ahead. The third one is I look for the, the I'm not from here. When somebody's new in the area, it's just a really easy opportunity for you to invite them to church and begin to share Jesus with them. Also, if they're new to the area and you don't know them, you ain't got much to lose. <laughs> we don't have to make it overly complicated. And when we begin to start having conversations with people in our world about Jesus, I think one of the biggest things that we can do when we leave those conversations is just simply ask them, how can I be praying for you? but then do it. <laughs> don't just ask them how you can pray for them and then never pray for them. Isn't it, don't we do that sometimes? That's just called getting inside information, right? Yeah. 
You just needed some gossip material for later. No, when we ask people how we can pray for them, we find out what's going on in their life, and then we take the 30 seconds, the minute, to stand there with them in that moment and just pray. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. I call it repackaging content. They say, hey, right now, my marriage is struggling. Lord, I pray for them, their marriage is struggling. It's that easy. You ain't got to make it overly complicated. You just take what they told you and you just give it to the Lord. And you do it right there with them in those moments. You start praying with people. You start praying for people. I'm telling you, it opens their heart to hearing more and more about Jesus. Psalm 78 verse 4 says, We will not hide them from our children, but we will tell the next generation the glorious deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders that He has done. What people really need is not a whole bunch of doctrine lectures or theology studies. They need you to be real and authentic, and they need you to simply share what God has done in your life. Because people can argue with theology, but they can't argue with your story. I tell people all the time, you don't have to believe what I believe, but here's what I know. I was stuck in a drug addiction, and I tried everything I could to get out, but it wasn't until I gave my life to Jesus that I was set free. You can't argue with that. Because I'm still standing here free today because Jesus changed my life. You and I just simply share our story. And then invite people to take a next step. Maybe it's to join you at church, and Easter's a great opportunity for that. Maybe it's to join you at, at one of your propel groups. Here's the second thing. Whew, i got to run. Uh, fishermen don't clean fish before they catch them. Fishermen don't clean fish before they catch them. Fish are gross, right? They're nasty. They're filthy. Fish are gross. I think sometimes the church tries to clean people before they catch them. So we, we try and tell people how they should live, even though they don't follow Jesus and they don't look like. The reason why they're not acting like they know God is because they don't know God. So how can we place an expectation on the way people live when they don't know Jesus? If there was a way for you and I to live like we know Jesus without Jesus, we wouldn't need Jesus. So when we look at the world around us, we don't have to tell them that they have to change the way that they live. and change. Here's what we do. We invite them to Jesus. We throw the, the line out. We catch the fish. And then we allow God to do the cleaning. Because God doesn't clean us before he catches us. He catches us and then cleans us. He draws us in and then does this beautiful restoration work. If you've ever been fishing with somebody who doesn't like, I, I think of it like this. There's always that person that you take fishing that doesn't like to touch the fish at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, you go fishing, you catch the fish. It's a fun process. But once that thing gets to the shore, they're out. It's somebody else's responsibility to touch the fish, and if you're going to eat it, it's definitely going to be somebody else's responsibility to clean it. That's God's role. You don't have to clean fish. You just get to catch them. You just throw your line out there. I promise God does a great job of cleaning fish. He doesn't need our help. So we simply throw the line out there. We create the opportunity. Because you and I, if we're not careful, we will prematurely disqualify people from God's grace, not realizing that the same grace that rescued us, they need. Sometimes when we meet Jesus or we know Jesus, we get, we, we get delusional of the fact that, that this grace is still ever present and needed in our life. I, I love that, the hymn, Amazing Grace. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I had issues. I was jacked up. I was messed up. I once was lost, but now I found I was blind, but now I see. Like the beauty of that is the recognition that you still have issues. Stop focusing on everybody else's and deal with your own. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. He says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have not come to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I pray that Propel Church will forever be a place where you don't have to fix yourself before you come. That you don't have to clean up, get up, look right, do right before you can come in and encounter Jesus. Because the gospel is that we don't clean ourselves or fix ourselves. God does that. And here's the other thing. If you were looking for a perfect church, you ain't never going to find it. Because you showed up. I showed up too, right? But here's the truth. Church is not filled with perfect people. For, for some of us, some of us, we, we like got plugged into a church at one point and then we got hurt or we got upset about something. And then we got like mad and, and we, we didn't know really what was going on. Like at, you, you dealt with people. And when you deal with people, people hurt people unintentionally sometimes. Yeah. People aren't perfect. But this is a church filled with imperfect people that realize they need a perfect God to step in and to change them from the inside out. Here's the third thing. Uh, fishermen have a passion for the fish. Fishermen have a passion for the fish. Um, so when I go fishing, if uh, I've been fishing with people before, and, and sometimes, you know, you catch fish, and uh, that's called dinner, right? And when, it, when it's dinner, your goal is, after you catch the fish, to put it in an environment where it can stay safe until ultimately you get ready to eat it. But if you're not doing that, what you're doing is you're going to catch the fish and you're going to release it. When you catch the fish and release it, you take the fish out of the water as gracefully as you can. You take the hook out of his mouth. You snag a picture, right? Because if you don't take a picture, you never caught a fish. And, uh, and then after, you try and release it back into the water as gracefully as possible. Because a real fisherman has a passion for the fish. He doesn't desire to see the fish suffer. He doesn't desire to see the fish in pain. He, he wants to protect and, and value the beauty of creation that's there. These fish that are in this bowl were designed intentionally and strategically to thrive in a specific environment. Inside the water, the fish are able to swim around. They're able to do their purpose. They're able to eat and kind of enjoy life. Now, they may want a bigger fishbowl. I don't speak fish, so I haven't had that much of uh, an interaction with them so far. But here's what I do know. The moment you take the fish out of the water, he's no longer thriving. The moment that the fish comes out of water, he actually begins to suffocate. He can't breathe. And ultimately, if the fish stays out of water for too long, that fish will die. You and I were actually created and designed to thrive in a specific environment. If you go back and you look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God creates us to live in perfection with him. 
in perfection, we are there to be with God, to commune with God, to walk with God. And in creation, everything is perfect. Everything is beautiful. But then we get to Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, it ain't that good. Because sin enters into the world, and when sin enters into the world, we become much like a fish out of water. We are separated from God, distant from him. We begin to suffer and suffocate. And if we die outside of being placed back into God's original design, we die eternally separated from God. I want you to think about something for a second. Because there are... I'm going to get one. I got to... See, it's, the, it's, it's this side. This side's going to help. Oh. I got one. When we begin to think about a fish out of water for a second, I'm going to take this fish out because what I really want you to do is I want you to think about your lost friends and family members for a second. Because every single person that doesn't know Jesus is still like a fish out of water. This fish right now is trying to breathe, and he is, but to some extent he's struggling because he was created for the water. And there's a few types of people in the room right now. One type of you, you're in here, and this is a fish, and you don't really care that much. It doesn't phase you. It doesn't doesn't bother you. It's just a fish. I think lost people suffering should phase us. Lost people dying apart from God should cause something within us to happen. The second group of you is thinking, he's a pastor. He ain't going to let that fish die. (laughs) Surely he ran this sermon illustration by somebody else on his staff, and they told him it was a bad idea. (laughs) He did. (laughs) But what you're thinking is it's somebody else's responsibility. Somebody else will take care of it. And sometimes with our friends and family members who don't know Jesus, we get to that same spot where we think, well, somebody else will share Jesus with them. Somebody else will take care of it. The third group of you are are, are mad and you're angry about how in the world could he let this fish suffer and struggle right now not being able to breathe. And I get it. You can get mad at me. You can send me an email if you want. You know I don't read those. But why do we care more about a $3 fish than we do our lost friends and family? So yeah, get mad at me if you want, but let's get mad about the right things, that we know people who don't know Jesus and we're not moved to action. The fourth kind of person in this room is like eyeballing the stage and you're about to come snatch this fish up out of my hand so I put him back in the water, right? Come on. So the fish is in the water. He's making it. We've done this twice now. I'm sure they're really confused about the trick that's been played. but He's back in the environment he was created in. And I know that an illustration like this can, can make you uncomfortable, but here's what I want you to do. I really want you to remember this moment this morning. Because every single person that's in the world that doesn't know Jesus yet was just like that fish out of water. They're struggling and they're suffocating. And it only takes the transition from where they are to where God designed them to be to begin to thrive. 
And this journey that God is inviting you and I on is to help people cross from the place of death into this place of life. And the only thing that we have to do is actually be willing to be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. And what Jesus is passionate about is lost people. If you were that person today that you weren't phased or affected by all, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be really hard to have a relationship with somebody and not care about what they care about. When we have a relationship with God, we begin to care about what he cares about, and he cares about lost people. If we're here and we think that it's somebody else's responsibility, I'm going to tell you, it's not a pastor's responsibility or a church's responsibility to share Jesus with your friends and family. I'm not saying we don't do it, but my responsibility, if you go look in Scripture, is to equip saints for ministry, which means my job is to get you ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. So we create environments where people can come in and they can meet Jesus, and it's incredible. And I promise you, we, we, try, and, we try and make church not weird and, and kooky and all that stuff. But, but let me just say, you have a responsibility, if you're a follower of Jesus, to share Jesus with your friends and family. Because you have platform and influence in their life that I will never have. God strategically placed you in their life. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 9. He says, With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit will confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed and cut off from Christ if that would save them. Think about that for a moment. As you begin to think about your friends and family members that don't know Jesus, are you burdened for those people like Paul is in this moment? And it's not a comparison to say, well, if you don't feel like Paul, you're not doing it right. That's not what I'm saying. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I'm willing to sacrifice every single thing in my life if it means that lost people can meet Jesus. Like, I'm willing to risk my time if it means that lost people can meet Jesus. I'm willing to risk my my talents and use my giftings. I'm willing to give financial resources if it means that lost people can meet Jesus. And hey, I'm even willing to risk my reputation if it means that people can meet Jesus. Some of us care so much about what other people think about us and the way that we live. And I'm telling you, when you stand before God, none of it's going to matter. So get to the place with me. Join me on this journey where we become passionate about what God is passionate about, and it's lost people. For some of us, we need a passion for lost people. And I think for some of us, man, in in 2021, we need a passion back for the house of the Lord. Like, we need a passion back for church. Because one of the things that, man, when we got into 2020 and we got into the pandemic, for some of us, we lost the passion that we once had. We were in a better spot spiritually. We were passionate about Jesus. We were passionate about the the church. And then the pandemic. And I'm telling you, the more you miss church, the less you miss church. So like the the more you get out of the rhythm of something. How many of you know you could be in a great rhythm of going to the gym every week, but once you stop going to the gym for a little while, you don't miss the gym. You just miss how the gym made you feel. And some people get in that same spot with church. You don't, 
you, you just, you got out of the rhythm, you got out of the habit, and so you quit coming, and you quit serving, and you quit watching, on, and, and, and over a period of time, you just missed how the environment felt. You forgot that you were designed to connect with it right. and to be involved in it. The pandemic did me, me wrong, too, I'm just going to tell you. Man, when we started with church online, uh, my normal routine for like a, a Saturday night, it ends early so that I can be ready for Sunday morning. And then Sunday morning, I mean, we'll start in the like 6 a.m. range so that I'm ready and for you guys because I'm not a morning person, right? So, but when the pandemic hit, I got to like get out of bed and then just jump on like five minutes before the 9 a.m. worship experience started. I kind of liked it. I mean, if I, if I woke up early, it, it wasn't so that I could spend more time with Jesus, right? It was so I could put some ribs on the smoker. Come on in. I got out of rhythm. And I remember looking at my wife at one point last year, and I was like, hey, if I don't, if I don't get out of this habit, like if I don't change the way I'm doing some stuff, we may never go back in person, right? And that can't happen. So we're going to have to do some things. We're going to have to make some shifts. I love what Psalm 69 verse 9 says. It says, passion for your house has consumed me. This is David talking. Another translation of this passage says that the zeal of the Lord has consumed me. Zeal is this energy. It's this excitement or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. And our cause and objective here at Propel Church is propelling people into an authentic relationship with Jesus. It's looking at the people who are in your life who are a fish out of water and saying, hey, we're willing to do whatever it takes to help people meet Jesus. We need some zeal back. We need some passion back for the things of God. Because the truth is, what 2020 really made us is it made us spiritually lazy in a lot of ways. So like all that passion that we used to have, we used to wake up super excited. We just lost it because we quit doing it. And for some people, you're, you're here and, 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 and look, you know, I, I challenge people all the time to like take next steps and stuff like that. I don't want you at church every week because I like seeing your face. Okay, I'm not saying I don't like seeing your face. You want, you want to know why? <laughs> My wife's like, why you say that? You want to know why I want you in church every week? Because you need to grow in your relationship with Jesus. It's not about this. My job is to empower you and inspire you to go out and take Jesus to your workplace. And so if that takes place for one hour a week, it's important that you get in the house. But, but more than that, it's important for you to be connected. Because church is not something that we consume from. It's a community that we're a part of. It's not just something where we come in and get and get and get. Never forget, it's better to give than receive. Yeah. We're called to contribute, to be a part of this thing. I want you plugged into the church because I believe that you don't get God without his bride. It's a package deal. And that as you and I grow in our relationship with one another and we get equipped to go out into our world, we are better because of it. And that we're stronger spiritually. So some of us need to get our passion back, which means we just need to get up and start actually doing stuff. Here's the last thing, is this. Uh, fishing for men requires us to do something immediately. Immediately. Turn to somebody and say immediately. Mark chapter 1, verse 17 says this. Then Jesus said to them, follow me 
and I will make you become fishers of men. And then it uses this word. It says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. I circle, every time I, I, I read words like that, like suddenly, immediately, even the word then, it's super important. Because what it shows us is something took place and then there was an action. And my concern is for some of us when we come into church on Sunday mornings, we hear a message about going out into our world and we hear a message about reaching lost people and we identify the fact that, man, people are struggling and they're hurting and they're broken without God. But then we get so caught up in what's going on in the world around us, we forget about what God's trying to do in us. And what he's trying to do in us is to light a fire and a passion inside of every single one of us to do something immediately. To like get up and take the things you learn and take the things you hear and not just sit on it for a week. And I think you can meditate on it, but if you don't do something with it, you have information, but no transformation. But once you and I begin to take the words of God seriously and really begin to share Jesus with our friends and family members, I believe that it starts to change us from the inside out. That our lives become different because we're actually walking in the purpose that God has designed every single one of us for. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to know. Your ticket in heaven is already punched. So the rest of your life is spent helping every single person punch their ticket as well. Helping every single person meet Jesus. You say, well, how does that work? In your workplace, you help people meet Jesus. How do I do that? Stop being a jerk all the time. Actually love people. Not that conditional kind of love where it's, if they don't love me or do what I want them to do, then I don't love them. That's not how God loves us. Pray, praise God. What would it look like for you to actually give grace to people, speak life over people? Being a fisher of men is not overly complicated. What it means is you and I get serious and passionate about what God is passionate about. And the truth is outside the walls of these church, in our community, in Mount Pleasant, and the surrounding areas, there are thousands upon thousands of people who don't yet know Jesus. And until every single person proclaims that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we are not finished and we are not done. So this week, I want you to think of that one person. Maybe it's more than one person. Maybe it is that spouse or maybe it's that coworker. Maybe it's that person that you work with, that person at your gym or that you see at the gas station every day. I don't know who that person is, but here's what I do know. There's somebody that's on your mind that you know that needs Jesus. And my challenge for you is when you leave today, we're gonna give you some invite cards and you just bring them to church with you next weekend. Just one simple step, one next step for you to take, bring them to church with you next Sunday. We're gonna do our best. I'll make you a promise I'm not gonna be weird. I ain't taking fish out of water next weekend. We're gonna do a simplistic gospel message that invites people to transfer from death to life, to know that there's hope in Jesus Christ. And even if you're doubting, even if you're struggling, Jesus came and he died for you. 
I believe if, as you begin to take that next step, it changes you forever. Because in just a second, we're going to do it even today. We're going to do a prayer for salvation where people can begin a relationship with Jesus. And we do every head bowed, every eye closed. And we say, hey, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, just do me a favor and lift your hand. Now, normally, we do the every head bowed, every eye closed thing. I'll give you permission for something. If you bring one of your friends and your family members to Easter with you next weekend, when we do the every, you can peek. You can peek. Because here's what I'll tell you. The first time you see one of your friends or family members meet Jesus, and they lift your hand and you realize you were a part of that story, you'll never have a problem inviting somebody to church again. God will ignite a passion within you so fast as you begin to realize we have been invited into such a beautiful invitation to partner with God. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for our time together today. Right now, I wanna pray for boldness over every single person in this room. God, that you would instill in us a passion to be passionate about what you're passionate about, which is lost people. That we would leverage every single thing in our lives to helping people encounter you. And for those of you who are in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're like that fish out of water. Here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ came so that you didn't have to suffer or suffocate, but that so you could be brought back in to the environment that you were created to thrive. And maybe you feel God right now tugging on your heart. You know that you don't have a relationship with him, but you need one today. Would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, hey, that's me. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Will you say this out loud with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.